Welcome back to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, thank you for coming back. If you're a new listener, I hope you'll become a longtime listener. I'm your host, Alicia Barr, and today we have a very special guest with us, Ryan McKenzie. He is a subscription box expert and a co-founder of True Earth, which is a sustainable laundry detergent, and it is at currently a million dollars a month. So we're going to talk about the lessons he's learned on his entrepreneur journey because it is a fantastic example of an entrepreneur's journey and what we can learn from it. And then also talk a little bit about sales. So welcome to the big show, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to have you on the show because your story is like the stuff that books are written about. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just kicked the garbage can. <laughs> it's okay. So um, you started one company and it was doing really well when you were in your t early 20s, right? Yep. What was it? Uh, so we had, we had actually had a ringtone subscription service um, back, back in, I don't even remember what year it was anymore, but I think it was like 20, 24, 25. And um, the way that those those subscriptions worked. Uh, you would sign up on like a landing page with your phone number and then you'd be subscribed to a short code and start getting billed on your cell phone, which was great at the time it worked, worked amazing. It was easy to get conversions, but the, um, the end user had a really hard time unsubscribing and long story short, the business wound up falling apart. Um, we had, there was a class lawsuit at one point against the carrier that was, uh, that was handling all the technology for us and how they were supporting it. And uh, basically the business business uh, got shut down. And after that, uh, one of my business partners and I created this platform that was a like a revenue sharing platform where people could contribute content and we would give them 75% of the revenue generated by the ads. And uh, so in between those two things, um, I haven't told the story for a little bit. Uh, in between those two things, uh, there was not a lot of revenue coming in because we like basically we were funding the new startup with what we had left from the other startup and kind of in between those two things we also had a ton of our our money our capital that we had left in uh a foreign currency exchange uh platform which um i was referred to a bunch of buddies it was like we uh, registered with like all the canadian securities commissions and stuff like that i'm canadian so that's why Canadian but um uh yeah I got we got frauded out of all that money too so it was like you never we, got it back we got back like maybe 10 percent of it like through um through assets that, that the uh the government had acquired and, and managed to redistribute but lawyers chew up like so much of that those fees right how is this shit legal it's so crazy it's not legal the guy the guy was actually in jail twice the guy that was running it um, and he wasn't on, listening on the little documents. He had another front guy that was in front of it and they were putting out weekly reports. Like it was elaborate and, and you know, we got taken for a ride, but. Mm. Okay. And that other company was making like a hundred thousand a month, right? Yeah, it was, it was over six figures a month. It was, we had a ton of subscribers. It was great. We were like, I was really into SEO back then and we were ranking for all the ringtone related keywords. Um, it was so easy to rank. So yeah, yeah, it was, you know, there was, there was so many things you could do. Like there was like blog post networks and stuff like that. They were public, like it wasn't even like hidden, like, like they are, they are in most cases today. 
but yeah, so that got taken down. Um, new business started up. We were starting up slower than we had anticipated and uh, I had to get a job. Um, Which was very humbling because you were like, I'm rich, bitch, yeah, for life, yeah, right? Yeah, driving down the street in my like, my I thought my gangster mobile, I had the, one of those 300 C's when they first came out and I was like 20, 25 years old. And thought, yeah, you felt super this, cool. This is as good as it gets, right? Yeah. And then like, like uh, a few months later, like the, the carpet just like pulled out from under, under our feet. And uh, um, yeah, so my business partner, Kevin, at the time, he's still one of my business partners, but his brother was managing or he was assistant manager at uh, a Bell store. So Bell is one of the larger telecommunications, like cell phone companies in Canada. And I'm like, well, I wonder maybe I could work a few hours a week and like make some, like, just like, I just bought a house and like, I, I just sold another condo that I, I was juggling at the same time. And I had this huge car payments and like, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to be able to even like, I don't even know if I can get a job that it, that's going to afford me to pay the things that I already have. And uh, so I applied and well, I didn't apply, I just asked for a job and they gave it to me. And um, it, was it was one of those kiosks, right? The mall kiosks. This one actually had their own store, but it wasn't okay. the mall. It wasn't the mall. They were in a kiosk while they did renos at one point, which was, yeah, it was great. But um, yeah, so I got the job and I was like super embarrassed. Like if I saw somebody in the mall, I would like try to like duck into the back room so they didn't see me. Oh. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty embarrassing for me at the time, but pretty humbling too. Yeah. But then you became, how long did you work there? Three years. Wow. And you were building up this other business on the side, right? Yeah. So the info barrel was the site. It's still around. It's not active really anymore, but, um, we basically were building this. I was working, you have to work 20 hours a week uh, because they give you medical and some other stuff like that. But uh, so I was working like at night, three nights a week and like, or two or three nights a week and then like one day on the weekend to make sure I hit 20 hours a week, which is the minimum you needed. Um, and then during the day we were hustling doing this. And that's actually how, we, it's funny, we actually met our other partner, Brad, because we had to get rid of our offices and everything before and we were working in my garage and it was so damn cold. And Kevin's like chattering, like typing on the keyboard. We got like oil <laughs> heaters and stuff trying to warm us up. And like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go see if I can find like a shared office space. This is like 2007 or 2008 or something like that. And like, there's not like WeWorks or Regis yeah. or any of these places yet, right? So I go on Craigslist and I find this ad and it's like, we're looking, we have a, a, a are called a uh, growth um uh what are they called uh, incubator startup. incubator yeah and we're looking to bring on some companies that are looking to grow and also possibly help with some of our social media sales or not sales but like clients I'm like oh I'll, I'll apply for this so we went i went down to the office and i met them and then they're like oh yeah you guys seem to fit that bring your partner down and come down so we bring bring kevin down and we get there and we're like i met brad who's like currently it's brad me and kevin brad kevin and i are the partners i'm like yeah, so we, we don't have any money to pay you. And Brad's like, okay. He's like, well, why don't you just you can come down here and work? And when you start making more money, you can just like next month, you can pay us like 100 And then the next month, a little bit more until we get up the rent. No big deal. And we're like, 
I, I like that deal. Yeah, like who yeah. would say no to that deal? He must yeah. have been smitten with you. He must have really liked you. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, so that was our, how our relationship started with Brad. But yeah, so um, we were working there. Like I'd be working there during the day and then throw it on my Bell shirt and like driving over to the Bell store. And uh, uh, one, one, kind of, one thing that was kind of like a big aha moment for me was uh, after I was got the job and uh they put me through this training it was like all week and they have like this very specific selling system it's called selling with ease um and they have like acronyms an acronym but um <laughs> i didn't really do sales before so like i sold stuff like i wrote some sales copy i didn't really know what i was doing i had no like formal training um but when i was there i'm like okay ryan if you're gonna come here and you're gonna learn how to do sales this is probably applicable to some other shit in your life let's button down and like do our best to learn this and uh, let's do it. And like when I started making a few sales, I was like, I felt like a gambler. Like I felt like you're a gamble before on one. Like I don't gamble very much, but when I do and I leave, I'm like, you know, it's like 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, my head. I'm like, I got like yeah. all this like <laughs> dopamine going on. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Like, and uh, I was like trying to calculate how much uh, commissions I had made and stuff like that. I'm like, I kind of like this. Um, <laughs> yeah, sales you know, are real high, but mm -hmm. also a little low. <laughs> yeah, you got bad days. The bad days are good. But yeah, so I, I, I kind of embraced it and uh, became the top salesman, right? Yeah, so I kind of went about it like in a weird way. Um, one of my managers was always like pushing me to try to convert people that were coming in with customer service problems, specifically like broken phones. And Everybody else is like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing customer service stuff. Like, we should hire a customer service person. This is bullshit. Why are we salespeople? We shouldn't be doing this. And then and I was like that, too, at first. And then as soon as, like, I started realizing that the people that have broken phones just want solutions to their broken phones, then I, I started thinking, like, well, what if I just, like, figured out a way to communicate with them to get a whole new plan? Yeah, to get a new phone. But not just like sell them a new phone. Like I figured out a way that I could like I could combine their old plan with a new plan for roughly the same price that they were already paying if I used like you know some of the closing tools. And then I would just position this, I would get them to say yes and be excited to everything. And then I would explain, like, hey, listen, I used a loophole here to get you a new phone for roughly the same price. What you're gonna see on your bill. You're gonna, don't get scared when you see this, but you're going to see two phone numbers on your bill. What I've done is I've squished your old plan down and I've given you a promotional plan that is the same price as you were paying before. Your new contract is going to expire, you know, whatever term from today. Your old contract's going to expire when it was going to expire anyways. It's going to be the other weird number on there. And then your bill's actually going to get cheaper. So you're going to get, you're going to get a new phone today. You're not going to pay anything for it. You're not, your other phone's out of warranty. So if you want to try and buy a new phone, that's going to be 400 bucks or 500 bucks. Or you can go this route financially it costs you like nothing more you're just going to see a weird second number on your phone and like when i when i was originally taught to do that i was like oh that's that's slimy i can't do that because what? You know, it I'm, sounds I'm, like a no-brainer I, posi like I, I positioned it that way right but before i thought oh i'm putting a second line on this person's phone they don't need a oh. second line they just want another they just want a new phone right like so like, i just it was just a lot of it was just how mm. i looked at the problem and how i communicated what they were getting um and then you know, putting the phone in their hand, explaining to them that you'll be able to solve this for them today, um, making them commit to wanting to get the new phone today and want great, being ready to walk out of it and having them like, like experience all this stuff. And then, you know, telling them 
the only caveat at the end, but positioning it in a way that doesn't sound horrible. Like it sounds, and, and positioning it as a benefit to them. That was, that was my like game changer. And that like, I was only working 20 hours a week. And I was, I think I was making like almost $50 an hour working in a cell phone store, which is like, I was like, holy shit, this is a lot of money for, for like hanging out and talking to people. Like it was, uh, I mean, it's not insane money, but like, you know, not a lot of people uh, in that industry were doing those kinds of numbers. And it was really the only thing that I was doing differently outside of probably how I was relating to people that came in the store was, um, was how I was taking the things that other people didn't want to deal with and finding a way to turn that into like turning shit into gold. Well, that's a really good lesson right there. And I mean, even though it was awful getting the rug pulled out from under you and having to work two jobs and having to go apply and work for like the man instead of yourself, which is very hard for entrepreneurs to come to terms with. Um, are you glad that it happened? Like what lessons did you learn from that happening? I mean, you know, I, I didn't, it was a pretty hard mental health time for me when I, I had to deal with all this stuff. Like, um, I'm not going to say I don't, reg I don't, no, I, I'm glad it happened, but I mean, it taught me a lot of lessons. Like there was a point where I was so low, like I would be driving. I didn't know how to deal with the problem. Like I didn't have a way to get myself out of, I didn't have the tools that I have now to the tools or the skills to solve the problem that I was in. And like, I, I honestly had no idea. I, I was like driving and screaming by myself because I didn't have anybody to communicate this with. <clears throat> and like, even I can remember, uh, around, it was around this time, about 2000, 2008. And I just was hanging out with my dad and I was going grocery shopping with him. And he like, I think he knew that something was wrong. I wasn't telling anybody, but like, I was like, just like kind of like quiet and like looking at the floor and like not really being how I normally am. And he's like, do you need me to buy you some groceries, man? And I was just like, I can't remember if I said yes or no, honestly, but like, I can remember like wanting to just be like, I, I, I don't remember what I said. I, I think I said yes. Um, because I was, I was in pretty, pretty big trouble. And, but like, that was a relief for me that somebody noticed that I was kind of like, yeah. not, not well. Um, but you know, the whole, the thing, like everything that happened as a whole, like I am, it's changed how I handle money. It's changed how I spend money. It's changed. Yeah. So um, what do you do differently? Well, I mean, I don't spend all my money. You spent <laughs> uh, all of it before? You spent all I, of it? No, I, I invested in that stupid scan. Um, oh. I, had, I had a little bit like going into mutual funds, which I also think are dumb too now. But um, like, I, I just, I honestly, I had such little financial literacy, like outside of like even business wise, like, you know, we spent a chunk and we kept a chunk and like, that was really all there was. Like there wasn't, there, it was, but, um, so like, what would I do different? Like, you know, now I, I save the money that I pay myself, um, or I'm paid. I take like, I don't even know what percentage I probably take 25% of my money in my, my salary that I pay myself. And I, and I, uh, I do boring stuff. Like I put it in like the equivalent of like a 401k or mm -hmm. like a, like a Roth, um, here in Canada, it's called a TFSA, which is tax-free savings account or, um, RSP, RSPs. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to get away from the RSP thing. Um, and I'm doing some, some pretty complicated financial stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that it's like uh, it's pretty deep stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll probably an entire call. And yeah, I no, no, we don't need to get into the weeds. But like, but like, um, you know, just just be more responsible. Like, yeah. basically saving. My mom always. My mom is a financial planner, and she always said, "Spend half, save half." Yeah, I mean, if you could do that that's after awesome. your bills. Yeah, like, I'm just, I just want. Yeah, yeah. I just want, I want to accumulate wealth and I don't want to accumulate wealth for the sake of having a Ferrari or having a Lamborghini or a G-Wagon. I'm sure those things are fantastic and they're probably super fun, but like, you know, I've bought enough stuff to realize that like it's a slippery slope and I buy one thing for me, I buy one thing and then it's just like, okay, well, what's the next thing that's going to make me feel like that for three days? And it's kind of like a drug. So yeah, that's true. I'm more about trying to get to peace in my own head with the things that make me want to search for external validation or like some sort of, you know, like uh, try to just be happy right. with who I am, what I have um, and things that make me happy that aren't from the mall or Amazon. Yeah. Well, okay. So what about um, you mentioned you have different tools now to help you like get through things. I'm sure some of that is that you just know people you can talk to about the situation who can give you insight based on their experience. Yeah. Like a, like a coach or a mentor or whatever, which is really, really helpful. Um, are there other tools besides that that you have now? Well, you know, like before, so I'll, I'll kind of start this out from like, like, a, like a, if you want to get good at, like, if you want to be the best salesperson in the world, it's, it's bloody hard. You're probably, it's very unlikely that anybody's going to become so good at sales. They're going to be the best salesperson in the world. However, if you can become in the top 20% of salespeople in the world and then find another skill like lead generation and become the top 20% at lead generation in the world and then find another skill like paid media or media buys or something else and be the top 20% of that in the world, you're going to be like one of the few people that are like the top 20% of like three core skills and those three core skills can feed yourself or they're going to be very, very highly sought after so that you're going to be the guy that can go to any pool of people and be like, listen, I've done this in this space, this in this space, this in this space, and I can combine all those three. I bet you you can't find somebody else, a salesperson that also has these two or three other skills and are extremely proficient at them. So for me, I know that I can buy media. I can, I can close people if I want to. I'd rather, I'd rather do it uh, without talking to them physically on the phone, but I mean, that's me. Uh, I know I can, uh, I can write sales copy. Um, I'm proficient in tech, so I can build, like, I don't know how to code, but I can, I can build a tech stack with existing tools that mm -hmm. I can, so I can, I can, I mean, if you look at business, you have, uh, you have fulfillment, you have marketing, you have sales and, uh, uh, shit, there's one other one. Basically, um, my brain's not working with full speed right now, but when you, when you have all of these pieces of the business that you can deliver, then you can basically create a self-sustaining business by yourself at any given time. Like I can be like, okay, I'm going to create sales letters or something like that. And I can put out a, a Facebook post and then make a Facebook ad. And, you know, in the, in the meantime, while I don't have a good way to make money, I can create a couple of sales letters for, and, and generate 10, 20 grand a month. Yeah. So you're basically talking about hedging your bets and having multiple streams of revenue. Yeah. And skills. Like, like right. stacking, stacking skills that are, that that are, that, that like match together, you know, that complement each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's some really solid advice. Don't stick yourself in one hole. Oh God. (laughs) 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 Don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself um, to one thing. Keep your options open. Um, Try to look for skills that complement what you're currently doing and become proficient at those. And um, yeah, pay attention to your finances. Don't spend everything that you earn, which sounds like common sense, but so many people don't do, especially in the entrepreneurship world. Everybody's just immediately reinvesting everything into some course or some coaching or some ads or something. And while it's (coughs) great to grow yourself that way, it's definitely, um, you know, not smart to, you need to save some of it. Yeah. And the other thing, like, relationships are so important like I don't know it's cliche but like if you're down on your luck and you need like some help starting out somewhere like if you have buddies that are doing big things and you can be like hey need help with anything or you can be like hey I started this new thing I don't have any list yet like could you maybe mail my list or could you like promote it to your friends or like you know you don't want to always be pulling those those like like ask cards but if you can build relationships where you're giving all the time that when, when you're in a spot where you need it, um, you know, what goes around comes around. And I'm like, I'm, I'm never in the position where I want to build relationships where I expect anything in return. Um, however, there has been the more I give or the more I help people with things, the more like, Oh, Hey Ryan, you got to meet so-and-so or like, you know, it just, it like, I'm not even doing it because of that, because of what I'm going to get. It just happens. And like when you serve people and you just be a good person and be a good friend and you try to make other people's lives better, like it comes back to you. And you know, you don't, you don't be trying to help the guy that's a hundred levels above you because you probably don't have something that they're looking for. And they have a, a ton of noise. You want to find people that are like coming up with you or like one notch above you or even people that are below you. Like, but like a lot of people try to jump to like the top of the, the, the relationship game. And I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to commodify relationships either, but like you just like, just make friends with people that are trying to do the same thing help them when they can and you just automatically receive in some capacity from just being a good human being. It's so true. And I have to shout out Ryan for this. He's so genuine and authentic in this. Like he is a very busy guy, but I mean, me and Allison, one of the other people in our little group that we have, um, we're talking about how you send us pictures of your kids and stuff and videos. And it's like a real person. Like, it's not like you're just always like trying to talk about business and how to get ahead. And I think that's a crucial distinguishing factor for a lot of people who are thinking about networking and business relationships. It's also about like, do I just enjoy your company? Like, do we have a good time? Do we vibe? Do we like share shit about our lives? That's fun. And because life is about more than just the business that we're working on it, the business that we're working on funds our lives so that we can enjoy them. And like relating on multiple levels definitely makes it stronger. And, you know, me and Allison aren't necessarily like big dogs, but Ryan takes the time to talk to us, which is really nice. Like, I think that's also important and something that Ace told me as well. Like, just be nice to everybody. Like, don't all only be nice to the people that have gotten where you want to go because shit changes real fast and you don't know who's going to know somebody and you don't know who's about to blow up. And like, it just, 
basically don't come with that intention in growing your relationships that it's going to benefit you and then it'll benefit you. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, I don't generally have, I don't have something to sell people. Like I'm not like trying to hawk my products. I'm not trying to hawk a service. So, I mean, this probably is very in line with like a lot of your sales methodology is like, I just, and when I go to events, I don't even bring business cards because when I talk to somebody, I say, listen, if we're going to be connected, just like give me your phone number or, or add me on Facebook or add me on a social network right now. Because if I give you my card, this is going to sit in the stack with all your other crap. If you want a relationship with me, let's have a relationship. I don't like, I, you don't need to be a, 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 a number in my list of people that I'm never going to reach out to. And like, by just giving you a business card, I'm just basically showing you that like, I, this is my opinion. I always, I, I never bring cards anywhere anymore because I just think like, like we're connecting right now. Like let's, make a way to connect, like send a message and then we can follow up later. Like, but like, I, I'm generally, when I go to these events, I'm not like, I, like I said before, I'm not looking to sell people things. I'm just looking to like chat, talk about what we're doing, what's working, what's not working. Like, like, like talk about ideas and um, business winds up flowing from that a lot of times. Like, like, you know, I, I work with a couple agencies and um, they came to me through like, just like friendly random conversations with them about what they're doing with other people. And I'm like, you know, I mean, you show like, and you see this a lot, like in like, like different Facebook groups, like the ClickFunnels group, people are like, just try to drop a whole bunch of value and then they'll like overcomplicate yeah. it. And people are like, Ooh, that looks really cool. But I don't really want to do that myself. I'd rather just pay you. And like, I think just like being honest and telling people how to do things, a lot of times when they see the results that you're doing for other people, when you're transparent about how you get what you've done, you're upfront about giving that value and like being like, here's, you can run with this yourself, no problem. And, and then when you look at it and you're like, well, that's a little bit too much work for me, but that guy was like super open about it. I'm probably going to go use that dude because that dude was the one that he altruistically just gave me what he does. Yeah. And I, you know, like I also, I can see like, yeah, I, I like how this is done. I like how this is done. I like how this is done. I'm like, mm, I don't have time for this. I'm going to pay that guy. Cause he is obviously professional enough. He's been able to systemize it and just hand it out. Yeah. So like not being, um, <clears throat> like it does line up with my sales methodology, not being like tricky mm-hmm. or like manipulative. Like people can see through it. Buyers are more savvy than they've ever been. And people online are savvier than they've ever been. So they can tell when somebody's like, quote unquote, dropping value for the sake of making themselves look good and get a sale. Like you're not actually dropping value that, that helps anyone. So that's like a a really, it it applies to sales too. Like when you're trying to use like psychological tactics, it's like, okay, I can tell that you don't actually care about my situation and my problem and helping it. You're just trying to, you know, get me in some frame of mind where I understand that I need your service. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, with sales calls, I don't even really like hopping on sales calls or strategy calls with people anymore, especially when they're asking me open-ended questions. As soon as they ask me like, so what are you struggling with the most right now? I'm just like, Uh, I'm like, I'm like, like, I'm like, brother, you're going to parrot this shit back to me in two minutes and you're going to tell me how your solution fixes it. So like, just tell me the price. Like, tell me, I want to know like what I'm going to get. And I'm going to make a decision. I'm here on the call because I'm probably going to buy from you, but I really don't want to hear you like use some, like some psychological warfare on me because I know you're doing it and it drives me fucking crazy, you know? Like, yeah, because it's a waste of your time. Yeah. So I actually like brought this up the other day because somebody, I, I listened to some podcasts where somebody was saying that 
their um, customer was like, Hey, where are you going with this line of questioning? Basically like what the hell's going on? And I was like, that's probably because he was asking questions that seemed irrelevant that he thought were getting this person in a psychological mindset. But if you're asking solid questions, like I had a call today and I was just like, Hey man, like how, how do you make money? Like, who are you trying to reach? Like, who's the person you want to get in front of? Cause I couldn't understand what he was told hemp seeds and it like wasn't entirely clear. And it's like, they don't have that question in the scripts. <laughs> that question came from actually wanting to understand what the hell he needed. Yeah. And there's a difference. And the person on the other line can tell if you're, if you like, care and then at that point they want to talk about it like oh good you're gonna help me work through this problem and like come up with ideas on the phone and then it's a real strategy session instead of just being like this what do you struggle with what would your life look like if this wasn't an issue what's what the would... real reason you need to get more money yeah <laughs> is it is it your family like i don't know it like it's so deep emotionally and it's like sometimes people just i don't know don't want to go there. Um, but also like, just please ask relevant questions. So, okay. I think that's a good stopping point. And again, we, that is the end of another episode of sales is not a dirty word. We're here with Ryan McKenzie. He has started several multimillion dollar subscription, subscription box businesses and is the co-founder of a multi-million dollar almost, no, not billion, but you're almost eight. like a billion. I think you're almost to eight figures. Yeah, we're over eight figures now. Yeah, eight figure um, sustainable laundry detergent, True Earth. Check it out. It's amazing. And he has an incredible journey. We talked about the lessons learned that can be hard through entrepreneurship and what really matters and even some sales. Thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they find you? I know that you don't sell anything, but. Yeah, um, you can, I mean, if you want to talk to me, you can find me on uh, my Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the, T-H-E, Rye, R-Y-E, McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Uh, I think I have the same Twitter, or maybe it's just Rye McKenzie on Twitter. I don't really go on Twitter that much, but. Yeah, Twitter's kind of dead. Yeah, I, I, I'd mostly just post pictures of my kids, but on, not, not on Twitter, not on Twitter, just on, on the other the other places. But yeah, that's that's yeah. If you want to say hi, that's that's the best place. And buy True Earth. Buy True Earth. Yeah, save, you're save, making save the planet. Yeah, making the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, um, load of laundry at a time. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you so much, everybody that's listening, and we'll see you next time on Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Yeah.